Thank you, Amy. Thank you, band. Thank you. What's his name again? He likes to talk. I don't know where he gets that from. Ah. Well, welcome to everybody that's joining us online. This week, we are back to sermon notes. So if you didn't get sermon notes, uh, raise your hand and we'll get them to you. There you go. We need one back there, one up here. This is what I like to see. Get them running. One over here. Where over here? Online, they should be in the chat section if I uh, am right. I don't know much about this Facebook thing, but I know that you can chat. Anybody else? Yeah, one right in the middle there. Well, it was kind of neat having my grandson up here. Membership has its privileges. <laughs> so this morning we have an interesting dot com for you. The word combat. And our central passage of scripture is 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. So we're going to get right into that scripture and then kind of build out of it. It says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Now, I want to begin by giving credit to some fellow called Ron. That's all I know. I do research on, on stuff, and, and I put this passage of Scripture into a software program that I like to use for research, and uh, this Ron came up. There's no last name or anything, and, and there was a sermon by Ron on this. It was really good. I downloaded it, and I listened to it two or three times this week. So I want to give Ron a little bit of credit here, because certainly uh, some of his thoughts influenced what I want to talk about this morning. Anyone feel like they're in a combat zone? Yeah, I could see the look on everybody's face like, are you kidding? <laughs> I think the way that things have been over the last, last 18 months, two years with the election, COVID, lockdown, mask mandates, soaring costs that we're seeing now, now the new Cold War, inflation, racial tensions, unemployment, underemployment, overemployment, and whatever else you may personally have been dealing with just to pile on top of all of that, I think most people feel like they are or have been in a combat zone. I know I do. It's a war zone, right? But as Christians, we're well aware of the fact that the war is not just a physical war that rages around us, it's a spiritual war. And I get people ask me on a regular basis, when are you going to do a sermon on spiritual warfare, Pastor Mike? And, and if you're one of those people, as soon as I put a passage of Scripture like that one up there, you know, we wage war with God's mighty weapons. Your pulse quickens. I get your attention. It's like, oh, good, this is the one. It's like, here we go. There's something about the spiritual, the supernatural, that intrigues you. Demons, demon possession, the dark side, it, 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 it's like, tell us more, Pastor Mike. How do we cast out demons? And you want people walking around with a cross casting out demons. And Typically what happens, as soon as you talk about a subject like this, you get three groups of people. 
There are those um, that don't want to talk about it at all. It scares them half to death. You know, let's just not mention that stuff. And then there are those who want to stomp on the devil and walk around with a crucifix, casting out demons. Teach us how to cast out demons. And then there's a third group that, that I think sometimes, I don't have time for all that stuff, Pastor Mike. You know, I think that those things don't happen anymore and, and, I, and I don't want to waste my time on that stuff. Now, if you're in that camp, you need to know something. This stuff is real. I've experienced it personally. I know people who have experienced it personally. Demonic activity is real. It's all over the Bible. But here's the reality. For the vast majority of people, you're never going to come across anything like that. I mean, outside of Hollywood, scary movies, you know, Halloween stuff, you're simply not going to come across demons or or demon-possessed people. The, The monster under the bed only existed in your imagination. There's not really a monster under the bed. And that's simply a fact for most people. Why? Now, it's not that this stuff isn't real. It is. But Satan is the king of demonic activity. And he is smart. Now, imagine this. You're at work. And suddenly your boss's head rotates 360 degrees and she vomits green spew all over you. What's the very next thing that's going to happen? Every atheist in the room is going to think, oh, I'm wrong. Every agnostic is going to think, well, maybe you can know. Every black, backslidden Christian, if, if they see that, they're scared half to death. What are they doing? Oh, Jesus. They're calling on Jesus right away. Satan knows that stuff. That's why he doesn't do that kind of thing, especially not here in the West. And <laughs> look at this verse. What are we using God's mighty weapons to combat? Human reasoning, false arguments, pride, and rebellious thoughts. They're all human issues. For the vast majority of people, when it comes to spiritual warfare, it's not a case of the monster under the bed. It's a case of the monster in the head. The one that lies to us and leads us astray and tells us things that that aren't true and... We so easily follow the monster in the head. The doubts, the fears, the attitude, the stinking thinking, as they say, that that we deal with on a daily basis. It holds us back. It holds us down. It stops us from being fully committed to Christ and leaning on things that we ought not to lean on. It prevents us from being all that we can be in the Lord. You see, Satan doesn't want to scare you into prayer. He wants to keep you from prayer. He doesn't want to scare you into the arms of Christ. He wants to lull you into a sense of comfort and keep you separated from Christ. You know, one of the things that that saddens me, and this is pretty much universal, other pastors I've talked to, is coming out of COVID, how many people just got in the habit of not coming to church? And they're still, oh, yeah, 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 I'm still part of everything. And I, I talk to people like, yeah, I'm still part of everything. But they, they've got in the habit. They've been lulled into this. Oh. And every pastor I talked to said the same thing. And you know, their churches are half full from what they were 
prior to COVID. Now, I understand that some people are still afraid. I have no issue with that. But the very same people that won't come to church are in a restaurant. I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just trying to be real. This is the spiritual warfare that goes on. It's a warfare of apathy that keeps us away from all that God has called us to be. Satan wants to lure you into into inactivity and doubt. Doubt about God's power in your life. Doubt about who you are in God. Doubt about your God-given natural abilities. Doubt about your God-given supernatural abilities, your spiritual abilities. He wants you to live in doubt and inactivity, weighed down by the battles that rage in your life and in your mind. And I guess the question that I want to pose to you this morning, when it comes to combat, and we're all in this battle, do you want to get out of it or surrender to it? Or get through it. Breakthrough. Do you really believe that God is big enough, strong enough, able enough, that he cares enough to get you through it? Or would you rather just get out of it? Or surrender to it? There's a saying, whatever God brings you to, he will bring you through if you trust in him. You know, when God was leading the Israelites out of, out of um, Egypt, they're being pursued by the Egyptian army, and he leads them down to the Dead Sea. We all know this story. And they find themselves in a situation. You ever been in a situation? We all get in a situation sometimes. It's kind of like, oh, what am I going to do? And they find themselves in a situation. The Dead Sea's in front of them. The Egyptians are right on their tail behind them the whole Egyptian army, and there's nowhere to go. How do you think they felt? Exodus 14, verse 10 and 12 says, As Pharaoh approached, as the Egyptian army approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord. What do you think they cried out? Help! Get us out of this! And they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptian. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. A little bit of negativity going on there. They did not trust the Lord who brought them to the Red Sea to get them through. That was good, wasn't it? To get them through the Red Sea. I'll kick that over in a minute. They looked at the facts, but they didn't look at God. Now, let me just say something. And I think I put this on your outline here. Kind of. God is not limited by the facts. Just because we humanly see these obstacles doesn't mean that they're an obstacle to God. God is not limited by the facts of the situation. Well, what were their facts? The seas in front of us, the Egyptians are behind us, we're done. And look at their response. First off, they panic. 
Then they cry out to the Lord, help us, get me out of this. Then they resolved that they would have been better off to stay where they were than to be in this situation. That's surrendering to the circumstances. So we either want God to get us out or we learn to live with it. At no point did they consider, even for a moment, that maybe God had a better plan for them. It wasn't an option. It wasn't in their thinking that if he brought them to this, he would bring them through this to something better. It doesn't come up in the narrative. We're just going to die here. We should have died in Egypt. What are you doing, Moses? What are you doing, God? And not only would God bring them through it, but he would write this on their hearts so that in the future, when they're in situations where they were in fear, they could look back to the time, and this is why we're still talking about it today, when God parted the sea and they came through the sea. He didn't take them out of it. He took them through it. And it's written in their history, in the Israelite history, so they can look back to the time when God rescued them back then. This same God is the God that we serve today. He gets them through it, and whatever you might be struggling with, he will get you through it if you choose to trust in him. When you think there's no way out, don't look for a way out. Look for a way through. So let me ask you a question. What's your Red Sea? What's your Red Sea? We've all got one to varying degrees. Some of, them, some of them are a raging ocean. Some of us are in a place in our lives where it's a little stream. Oh, I can get across that. What's your Red Sea? And if you don't have one, I say this all the time, one's coming. You will get one. Do you believe that God is big enough, strong enough, loving enough, concerned enough to bring you through whatever you might be going through? Do you believe that? That what the Lord leads you to, he will lead you through if you choose to trust him. Let's go back to this passage of scripture, 2 Corinthians 10. It says, we are human but we don't wage war as humans do. Now, this is Paul speaking in his letter to the Corinthians. It says, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We use God's mighty weapons, not our weapons, but who's using them? We use God's mighty weapons to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false argument. Now, here's human reasoning when we often get into these situations. It's not possible. It can't be done. My issue is too big. It's too big for me. It's too big for God. Or we use a false argument. It's not too big for God, but God's not going to get me through this. He's given up on me. I've given up on me. There's no point in trying. I tried before. It didn't work before. It failed. May just as well accept it. This is what it is. I'm okay with it. I'll live with it. AKA, surrender to the situation. 
God, can you get me out of it? Or I surrender to it? Or Lord, will you take me through it? It's human reasoning, and it can be a stronghold that God doesn't want to take you through it, or you can't get through it. He carries on. He says, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So there's a war. Like I said, it's not the monster under the bed. It's the monster in the head. So when it comes to combat, what are these rebellious thoughts, proud obstacles, human reasoning, and false argument? What are the things that prevent us from getting through or breaking through what God wants to get us through? So I've got four for you. There are lots more, but I picked four. Number one, impatience. Psalm 37, 7 says, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Exodus 14, 14, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. We live in an instant potato society, don't we? I want it fixed and I want it fixed right now, God. And if you're not going to fix my problem right now, I just want out. I'm not waiting for you to bring me through the problem. If it's not done now, God, I want out. Sometimes you've got to wait on God. Sometimes God takes years to move on something. But it's his schedule, not our schedule. And and it's just coming back, do I trust that God is with me in this situation or am I going to fix the situation for myself? I need to wait on God. Second one is fear, 2 Corinthians 7, 5. This is Paul again. He says, when we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. That's Paul speaking the greatest evangelist that's ever lived and faced all kinds of things. He said, I was scared. Even Paul had to deal with fear. We all deal with fear, don't we? But it's whether your fear overcomes your faith. And sometimes we allow fear to rob us of the best moments. This is not a very spiritual story, but one came to mind. I remember back in the early 80s when we were living up in Canada, My sister, Maria, and my brother-in-law, Phil, came over from England. And we decided to go to Banff. They'd never been to the Rocky Mountains, and we're going to go to Banff. We're living in Edmonton. We drive all the way down to Calgary, and it's a a two-and-a-half, three-hour drive. And then we go through Calgary, and we're heading out into the mountains. And this massive snowstorm starts. It's nighttime, because we've left after work. And the wind is blowing, and the snow is just coming at you. If you've ever been... If you've ever driven in a a snowstorm like that, a blizzard, you can't see anything because your headlights reflect the white of the snow back and you can't see anything. So we're literally crawling along on the highway at about five mile an hour. We got the windows down because it's all steaming up and Phil has his head out the window and he's looking at the side of the road to keep me on the road because we couldn't see. And if you put your lights on high, it gets even worse. So, and if you turn them off, 
It's black. So we're crawling along at five miles an hour in this blizzard, and we're, and we're going for about a half an hour, and I'm scared. It's on the highway. There's no other traffic. There's no other idiots driving in this. And we pulled over. We get out, and we look, and you can't see anything. I said, we've got to go back. And they're all, we've never seen the Rocky Mountains and we'd love to go to the mountains. It's just too much. Got to go back. So let's give it another 10 minutes. So we get in the car and Phil's got his head out. We're freezing because the windows are all open and it's cold in Canada. And off we go again. And as quickly as it started, 10 minutes later, it just stopped. And the sky was clear. And it was a full moon. And all that... Fre- and we were in the city when the snowstorm started. So we didn't know where we were. And it, and, and it just stopped. And we were in the mountains. And all that fresh snow on all of the mountains down the sides and the valleys and the luster of the moon shining on it. I mean, it was just one of those, oh, God. They had never seen mountains like that before. We got up in the morning and it was beautiful sunshine and it was absolutely fantastic. It was like being in a Christmas card. But we almost turned back. And we would have missed out on something that God had for us because we were afraid and we didn't push on through. Sometimes in the midst of combat, when the war is fierce, we let our eyes slip from the giant slayer and we start looking at the giant. And our fear takes control. We've got to stop being afraid and trust that God is with us and that he will see us through. It's one of those things that you just got to hold on to. My God is with me. My God will see me through. Whatever happens. And we need to be willing to trust God to do what we can't do for ourselves. I mean, so these Israelites, they're, they're next to the Dead Sea. Egyptians are coming. God parts the sea. They're going through on dry land. How does that happen? Because you'd think it'd be all muddy, right? But they're going through on dry land. Now, if they didn't really believe that God would see them through, you get halfway and God says, oh, man, I'm sorry. I was going to get you through, but it's lunchtime. Water comes back in. You're drowned. You've got to believe that when God leads you to it, he will lead you through it. I'm going to go. And I'm not going to let fear stop me from going. What's the third one? Human desires. That's a hard one. We give in to our desires and our wants and we seek to meet our needs our way. James 4.1 says, what's causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? James 2, 14 and 15, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. If you want to break through, 
You must be willing to do what God tells you to do and not do what God tells you not to do. As soon as we look to, to meet our needs our way, we step out of God's way. And things just get worse. There's not going to be a breakthrough. There's just going to be a bigger mess. Not my way, Lord. Thy way, Lord. Breakthrough doesn't happen outside of God's will and desire for our lives. I'm going to keep moving on here. Next one is human reasoning. Matthew 19, 26. We must put us... Where's the scripture? Did I put it in there? Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. So let me ask you a question. Do you believe that? You see, it's easy to say, right? Humanly speaking, it's impossible. Well, that's inside of us. This can't be done. People can't walk on water. Can't be done. But with God, everything is possible. We've got to put aside human reasoning and limiting what we believe God is capable of. Now, this begins with self-talk. The rebellious thoughts that keep us from seeing it through God's eyes, where do they come from? Think they come from God? They come from Satan and they come from us, right? Satan tells you, give up. We say, give out. I'll settle. God says, go through. I'm with you. We need to speak God's truth into the doubts in our lives. So I put some of them down here. This is God's truth about you. This is God's truth about me. You, you, take this stuff home and recite this to you for, for yourself for a while. I am, right, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Who said that? God said that. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, the new is here. Who said that? God said that. It is true. I am a friend of God. Who said that? Who said that? God said that. It is true. I am of a chosen race. Who said that? God said it. It is true. I am his workmanship. Who said it? Come on, let's get into this. Who said it? God said it. You are his workmanship. I am a member of his body. Who said that? God said it. You are a member of of his body. I have a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Who said that? God said it. He said it to you. I am not to shrink back. God said, I am not to shrink back. He has no favor for the one who shrinks back. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul said that through God. Who has your ear? Is it Satan? Is it you? Or is it the Lord? Who's whispering to you what you can and can't do? Is it Satan? Is it you? Or is it the Lord? I want to close here. But I want you to give... Okay, this, this is kind of a different kind of message. I, want you, I need your full attention for, for just a few more minutes, all right? Do I have your attention? Good. 
Do you want to get out of it? Surrender to it? Or let the Lord lead you through it? Satan will have you surrender to it. Our human nature wants us to get out of it, but the Lord wants to lead you through it. Now, it's always easier to surrender to a problem than it is to get through a problem. It's always more convenient to get out of a problem than it is to get through a problem, but it is always more productive to get through it than it is to surrender to it or get out of it. You know, when I look back on my life, and the battles, the combats, and the problems that I've faced. And there's been a lot. And some of them have been some biggies. While I would not have chosen to go through those things, I absolutely value the life lessons that I learned going through those things. And I am thankful for those lessons because it is through those things that make me stronger. The struggles that we allow the Lord to bring us through all add to his arsenal in our lives. It makes us stronger for the struggle that is ahead of us. God, would you get me through this one? I don't want to get out of this one. I want to get through this one so I'm stronger for the next one because there's a next one coming. Here's the reality. I know I say this a lot. Life's not easy. It's not a level playing field. Life's a series of ups and downs. And, and there are good things and there are bad things and there are some really good things and there are some really bad things. And in all of those things, God is with us to help us get through them as we allow God to use them to strengthen us. You see, th- then the highs are not so high. You know, you get those people that, whoa, whoa. You've got to get to this place where God t- teaches us at the top, you can't live up here. The air is kind of thin up here. There's no growth up here. The growth is in the valley down there, but you don't want to stay in the valley either. And, and through the power of God, we can learn we don't have to keep going up so high or down so low. So that it, it comes out to a stronger, more compact level. And then those people who are struggling in life, the ups and downs in life, can see you and you can be part of the strength in their lives. Been there, done that. My God got me through it. I'm stronger for it. You know, sometimes a sermon or a message, I'm always leery of preaching these types of messages. Here's why. This doesn't happen to me a lot, but it happens to me sometimes. Sometimes God will bring a message to me, and I think this is for somebody. And the reason I don't like it, because I feel like the rest of us are twiddling our thumbs. It's like, uh, and, and I don't know what it is. I just felt that today that, that this was for somebody. That somebody is struggling with a situation and they're just thinking about giving up or turning back or they want to get out of it. And God is saying, no, I want to take you through it. You can trust me. Hold on. And if it wasn't for you this morning, maybe it was for someone you know. You know, we're all called to be encouragers, aren't we? Last week we talked about compassion, calm, being joined passion being pain, joining someone in their pain. This is combat. 
being joined with someone in their battle. We fight these battles together. We walk the walk together. Bring a word of encouragement. God is with you. God's not abandoned you. God is going to see you through this. I know he is. I'll walk the walk with you. Don't give up. Reach out. Reach up. And the Lord will bring you help to get through it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I give you thanks. You are a God of awesome love. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for all of those I ams that you have poured out into us. And Father, I I know that this is for somebody. It might be somebody online. It might be somebody here. But somebody that's struggling with a problem or a battle in their life and they're ready to give up and you don't want them to give up. Father, I pray that right now they will know that you are with them, that you love them, that you are able, that you are willing, and that if they put their trust in you and wait on you, you will carry them through this storm. Father, if we've got friends, relatives who are in a storm, help us to be that powerful weapon that comes from you to help them through the storm. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, can I, Kevin, can I get you to come on up for a moment, please? This is Kevin Hicks. Some of you may know him. His wife is Nancy. Is Nancy? She's over in the youth. Okay. We'll, give, we'll let Nancy stay there. Kevin is in the process of being considered for the role of elder here at Lakeway. And I wanted him to come up so that you could put a name and a face together. Because he's a quiet kind of guy. Many of you don't know him. But he's that kind of guy when the word goes out, you know, or we're, we're building the stuff out there. Kevin's there. And over the last few years, Kevin has served uh, his job, and he's been in the Air Force Reserve for how long? Uh, 24 years. 24 years, and that ended? 29, October 2019. October 2019, so two years ago. Since then, he's gone back to school. What did you get your degree in? Uh, Master's in Administration. Master's in Business Administration. So you can imagine that a lot of his time has been taken up. And part of that was serving overseas for a period of time, six months. Six months yeah, six months in the Middle East. So some of you might not really know Kevin. You might be thinking, well, who's this Kevin? Why is he being considered as an elder? But since he's come back, Kevin is uh, a trustee. He's on our trustee board, and he's leading a small group. His wife... Nancy has been involved. She was the head of our children's ministry for a period of time. Now she's serving in youth. That's where she is this morning. So both Kevin and Nancy have been active in this church. And it's been amazing for me just to see, since you've been freed up from those other things, just to see the change in Kevin. So you can sit down. I just wanted them to put a name to a face. So let me just explain to you a little bit about how this elder process works and what I need from you now. The Bible says the elders are selected, not voted on. So we're not going to ask you to vote on who's going to be an elder. The pastor selects the elders. 
but I don't do it in a bubble. I get the other elders to help me with the process. So when we look at our, our elder board, and sometimes people move and, and things happen, and we need to get some new leaders, we go through a process of prayer. And we pray for a long time, and nobody brings a name up during the process of prayer until we get to a point, and I'll tell the guys, go away and pray about it, and if God brings a name to you, come back and tell us the name. And if we find that everybody's got a name, the same name, that's an indication to us that maybe God is moving in this area because we're seeking God's direction in this. So then we'll start praying about that person. And then I'll start a process. I'll go meet with them, meet with their wife, tell them this process, what's happened, and, and your names come up. And usually they go, ooh. And we ask them to start praying about it. Let God speak to you. Is this something that we should continue to pursue? And it's a long process. Honestly, I think this has been 18 months or more that we've been praying through this. And um, so I've met with, with Kevin and Nancy a number of times. And then last week we had them come over to my house and all the elders are there and we question them. I throw questions at them that you throw at me. <laughs> What would you say to this? What would you say to that? What would you say to this thing? What's really the role of an elder? And we, and we vet them. And if we're all still on the same page, we're still on the same page. Then we come to this point. So here's where I need your help right now. I want you to pray for Kevin and Nancy for wisdom. I want you to pray for the elders. I want you to pray for me for wisdom. Now, while you don't vote on who an elder is, I do want your participation in the process. So I always ask, every time that I've instilled an elder, I've asked the congregation, if you know of anything that's a concern to you, that you might think, well, you know, I like Kevin, but I need to get your input. Now, what I won't do, I do not take anonymous notes. Yeah, he's a really bad guy. Okay, (laughs) who's this? Why is he a bad guy? I won't take anonymous notes, but if you have a concern, a valid concern, I invite you to email me or text me, and then we'll get in a conversation and we'll talk about it. But I want you to be part of the process, and I want you to pray for both Kevin and Nancy. And then if everything moves smoothly, in a week or so's time, we'll have an elder induction service here. We'll lay hands on them both and pray them into this role. So will you help me with this? Awesome. Thank you. All right. How are we doing for time? 11.59. That's good. Christmas is coming. Oh, today we have Lakeway 101 church membership class. We have three people signed up right now. A number of people have told me they're interested. A lot of them couldn't make it. If you want to be part of our Lakeway 101 class, there's still room for you to be part of the class today. We have child care. It's going to happen right after this service. Hector is going to lead it. If there's a whole bunch of you, Hector and I will lead it because we'll need to keep you in control. We've got food. We've got child care. You have no reason to not be there. So just let us know because we need to give you a book. Now, Christmas is coming up, the holiday season. Man, there's a lot of stuff going on. Sat down with the guys the other day, and, and I put together a little calendar. So November 25th, we got our Thanksgiving away. Thank you for all of your donations. We still need some food, 
mostly we need families to feed. So if you have a family that you know, on the back table there, there's a shopping list you can take, pick up a turkey or something. But if you've got a family that you know that they could be in need, fill out one of the forms and give it to us. Do not contact the family. Let us look at this thing because if all of a sudden we get 25 families, we can't feed 25. So we'll choose the ones that are of the highest need and, and, and pick them. So don't go talk to them just in case we're not able to do it. But back there, you'll find the list. We also need people to help deliver. So this is Thanksgiving morning, okay? Then December the 4th is the Colony Christmas Parade. I want us to be in the Christmas Parade this year. I want us to have a float. Um, Just like we do for Living Nativity with a bunch of singers on it. We did it with the whole Six Skulls motorcycle one year. Maybe I'll talk to those guys as well. And we won first first prize. Somebody threw the um, prizes away from years ago. I don't know who would have done that. But um, they can't be found right now. But we need some new ones. So be thinking about that, okay? That's December the 4th. December the 5th, the next day, is the toy run. You can make a $10 donation. Come here. You'll hear the bikes showing up at around noon. And they do this run around town. And and where do bikers always end? In the bar. It starts in the church. It ends in the bar. But you can come and be a part of that. Then December the 10th to the 12th, we're doing Living Nativity. We want to do the same as we've done the last couple of years. It was so well received. We go out into the neighborhood. And we take a bunch of singers And we go through the neighborhood. Now, here's where I need your help. I never advertise it to the streets that we're going to. And if we advertise it, it would be so much better. I need someone to help me coordinate this. Because the elders are sick and tired of me coming the day before and saying, hey, guess what we're doing tomorrow, guys? They want some organization. So I'm putting this out there. Um, Building the sets for Christmas. 28th of November. Right after Thanksgiving is the time to take down the fall decorations and put up the Christmas tree. Right. And the more the merrier. Uh, young adults, children, we need them to help plot. But it's an all-church effort. And, uh, it doesn't take very long if everybody's here. I mean, I thank you all for helping us put that stuff up. We're going to wait till Thanksgiving's over. And then we're going to take that down and, and put up the Christmas. Have you noticed how much Christmas stuff there is already? Do you remember last year, it was like there were twice as many houses with lights on them. And I think with all of the uncertainty and COVID and everything else and the battle that we're all going through, people want some light in their life. They want Christmas. So it's October. Christmas lights are already up all over the place. People are looking forward to Christmas. We need to to leverage that for Jesus. We have the Christmas story, and we need to tell the Christmas story. So that's why we want to do all of these things. So the more people that can help, the better. Then December the 19th, our Christmas kids program, you don't have to do anything for this one. The kids are going to do the whole service. They've got to play for us. They're going to do the whole service. Here's what I need you to do. Who likes kids? Who knows somebody that likes kids? Who knows somebody that likes kids that's not here? Invite them. (laughs) December 24th, we're going to have our Christmas Eve candlelight service. And uh, this year, Christmas uh, is on a Saturday. So Christmas service on December the 26th, what we call 
in the civilized world Boxing Day? <laughs> what do you mean? Ah. <laughs> we can call it Boxing Day here too. Then we can be civilized as well. Now, I'm going to put together invitations. Here's what I need you to do. There's a little clipboard by you, right? See the little clipboards? Somebody kindly donated all of those clipboards and put them out in the seats. And they may have told me who it was. I don't remember. But thank you for whoever did that because I think they did it secretly. So that's pretty cool. Find a clipboard. Get a pen. Find a piece of paper. And if you can be a part of any of this, right now, I want you to write down, I'll do this. I can be a part of this, Pastor Mike. I can help set up. I can help take down. I can help... I'll sing. I'll be on a float. I'll walk with the float and hand out candy canes, whatever you can do. I want you to take a clipboard. I'm going to stand here till everybody's got a clipboard in their hands. Take a clipboard. Clipboard. Piece of paper. Okay. Put it on there. Drop it in the offering as you go out. Let's all be a part of Christmas. Let's all be a part of telling all that darkness out there that there is hope. There is light. Let's do it. Are you in? Are you in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you in? Yeah, there you go. All right, I'll stop. I'll stop now. What else have we got? That's it. That's it. Once I've manipulated you into filling out the form. That's the end of the service. Please be faithful with your offering. You can give online. You can give right here. If you want to give to Thanks Giveaway, uh, you can do that online also. Go to our website, click on Give, and one of the options is Thanks Giveaway. I think the toy run might even be in there already. Please stand and pray, and I'll let you get out of here. Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks for your hope, for your light, for your love for your strength in our lives. Father, I thank you for Christmas. Still a couple of weeks away, a couple of months away, really. month and a half. But people are already putting up lights. People want the light of Christmas. Father, help us to bring that light to them. Help us to bring your truth that Christmas is the season because of Jesus Christ and the hope that he brings. Father, give us all the helpers that we can handle, I pray. Father, pour out your blessing on each and every one that is here today so that we can go and be a blessing to all we meet. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you all for coming. Now, if you want to be part of 101, it's going to be in room 99, right down that hallway on the right.